if Robin Christen can't make it, does true love exist? That's who he is, that's who he is. Have Tom Daly and Pete Waterfield ever kissed? That's who he is, that's who he is. You'll remember last week we talked about the sadistic teacher I had at my primary school who used to throw board rubbers around the classroom. And I forgot to mention that the headmaster of my prep school used to beat boys with a slipper called the tacky. Did you go to prep school in the 1930s? I'm older than I look. (laughs) But someone has called up our phone line in order to tell us about a teacher whose subterfuge (laughs) and uh, psychological cunning has beat all of our teachers with their rather more direct forms of violence. Hey, Helen Ali, it's Daniel from Dublin. In my school, what the, or one teacher used to do was if a particular student didn't do his homework or was late to class, the teacher would ask the student next to him to punch the other student as hard as he could into the arm, thus providing physical abuse while never being in a situation where he was liable for any damage caused. Now that is a teacher who loves their job for all the wrong reasons. That is ingenious. It's not that ingenious, he's got 30 witnesses. <laughs> Here's a question from Ian who says, I needed to look up how to spell the word muesli. And so I looked in the obvious place, the breakfast cupboard, taking my packet of Alpen... I searched for the word, muesli. It's not there anywhere on the packet. That's right, it doesn't say muesli on the Alpen packet. Fact. Now I know Alpen is muesli. Yes. You know Alpen is muesli. I bloody do. So will he answer me this? Why doesn't Alpen admit to being muesli? Well, they sort of do. If you go on their website, it's, it's all, all over, over it. it. It says Alpen is a muesli. Yeah. So it's a it's kind of... It's the original Swiss-style muesli. Yeah. So it's the first muesli that wasn't Swiss muesli. And that's kind of it, I think. I think it's, it's mass market muesli. Um, and, MMM. Yeah. <laughs> they were maybe a bit concerned to market it as such. Is that because muesli's boring and people don't want to buy it? No, I think it's because they added sugar and salt to it. No, nah, that's fine because all sorts of healthy cereals are actually terrible for you. Yeah, sure, but I mean, muesli was in the health store and Alpen wasn't necessarily. They just didn't want to advertise it as a health food. It's a cereal brand that is basically muesli and everyone knows it's muesli but what they're not saying is this is pure natural organic all goodness muesli because they're not in the health section they're in the cereal section but that suggests that there is some kind of international standard of what constitutes muesli that's right and i'm not sure no i agree it's tricky i'm not sure that the international board of oat and fruit mixtures (laughs) has decreed the correct proportions of muesli ingredients to be counted muesli i think it is a marketing thing so they don't want people to think oh that's just for hippies and old people here's a question from paul from singapore who says i heard that one of the reasons cocaine is snorted is so that it enters the bloodstream easily and the effects are felt more quickly yes it's why you don't put it between your palms and rub them Although you can lick it off things, can't you? I've seen people do that in, in the oh, films. Yeah, they rub it into their gums, but that gives you receding gums. Does it? Mm. So, Helen, answer me this. Why don't any pharmaceutical companies make snortable paracetamol? Oh, why indeed? Uh, which would presumably stop a headache more quickly than swallowing a tablet. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, presumably injections straight into your brain could stop a headache as well, but the issue is it could damage your brain. A swift blow with an axe to your neck would probably solve your headache <laughs> but it does cause an insurmountable problem but he's kind of got a point it's a bit like a suppository isn't it that's what no. a suppository is it's a way of getting into the bloodstream yeah but that, that is releasing it very slowly yes. into the bloodstream I know it's put up there because the walls of uh, your bottom are very thin but they've calculated it so that it will be slow release over hours and the same with the stomach pills is that it's not just about it entering your bloodstream quickly it's about it entering the bloodstream at the correct speed yes indeed there are lots of problems with having a snortable paracetamol one is that it's very bad for your nasal structure your your nasal membranes are very thin apparently people who snort things regularly they're very prone to nasal infections because all the silt in there 
Mm-hmm. Another is that the dosage might be hard to control and it could just be way, way too strong. But if you got a pestle and mortar and mashed up edible paracetamol... Yes, that is a thing that a lot of desperate druggers do. Oh, really? Yeah, they grind up prescription drugs particularly because they act a lot quicker. You know, things that are kind of opiate-derived. Right. They do grind them up and snort them and it is very dangerous. Don't do it. Yes, no, I wasn't recommending it, Ellen. I was just asking, like, actually, could you do it and could it cure a headache? I bet it probably could. It just obviously might have some very undesirable side effects. It might cause a bigger headache down the line. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice way to put it. Time for a question from Celeste from Bermondsey, who says, I'm an art student and I'm starting my graphic design degree in September. Good luck. Uh, I also really love fire. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, fireworks and pyrotechnics. Yeah, well, they all kind of go together quite well. They do. There's an umbrella group there, isn't there? Maybe you could become a cremator. (laughs) And after seeing Ramstein... What? And four years of marvelling at the fire show at Secret Garden Party Festival. Four years? Were you too stoned to move for four years? (laughs) Wow, still amazing. Guys, we really should go because the festival's actually been gone for four months. I'm still marvelling. I wouldn't think that someone who goes to Secret Garden every year for four years would also be into Ramstein. But it just goes to show sometimes your preconceptions are wrong. Sometimes festival girls are much more well-rounded than you might assume, Molly. Anyway, she continues. Uh, it struck me that I'd really like to train as a pyrotechnic techie or something. Listen, don't make career decisions whilst at festivals. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I think a lot of damaged people come out that way. Yeah, uh, I'll sell ice cream at Glastonbury <laughs> and then I'll just travel around. Um, so Helen, answer me this. Can this be done? Is it even legal? Well, of course it's legal. Otherwise, <laughs> I wouldn't have had fireworks at the Olympic opening ceremony. I suppose the nature of a question really is, can you do a degree in fireworks? Well, you can certainly do training courses. I don't think they even need to be degree level. No, well, that's the thing. You could argue that a lot of things don't need to be degree level, but they are. But I mean, you can probably do a degree in special effects and specialise well, in fireworks. actually, that is very correct. Special effects often do have a pyrotechnical module. Yeah. Very useful, for instance, if you're working in the film industry. Yes, indeed. I think a, a training course for, to be a pyrotechnician will probably be a bit disappointing for Celeste because well, I suspect probably involves a lot of learning how not to set fire to things, like yeah. children and mm. passers-by yeah. and buildings, I th- trees. I think most of the training certification is to make sure that you are not going to cause a health and safety hazard nightmare. Pyro.org.uk has a list of courses that you might find useful, but other people suggest that you apprentice yourself to people who do fireworks displays. You're lucky, Celeste, because on the 14th and 15th of August, it is the British Firework Championships in Plymouth. Oh, wow. And you should mm. go there and make contacts. They've got lots of stalls, lots of information. Be perfect. And you get to look at fire, which we already know you like. It's quite a small industry. And, uh, you know, yeah. if you get in with one of the big fireworks brands, you've got a job for life there, Your really. Your career can skyrocket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel ashamed. If you got a question... An email question to answer me at this podcast at googlemail.com. 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 Uh, Well, here's a question now from Cameron from Kent, who says, A few weeks ago, I was standing outside London Bridge Station on my way home from work, minding my own business and paying no particular attention to the Routemaster bus 
parked opposite me. For the benefit of non-London listeners, Routemasters are what you think of as a London bus when you watch Richard Curtis movies. And, and London Bridge is not what you think of, that's Tower Bridge. Yeah. London Bridge is actually a shit concrete one. Ugly. Um, anyway, uh, I was waiting around, saw the Routemaster bus, suddenly a man sprinted down the street, swung himself onto the bus and shouted, Drive! Drive! He's coming after me! He's right behind me! And the bus drove off. Well, that would only work on a Routemaster bus because they have the open entrances. Now on a bus, they go, sorry, mate, I've already shut the doors. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, you haven't got a ticket, so I can't let you on. Needless to say, continues Cameron, I nearly shat myself. After a few seconds of checking my escape routes from the presumed killer on the street, a few things filtered through my mind. At long last. <laughs> yeah. Why, why did I spend my life living in Kent? Yes, it's the Garden of England, but the people. <laughs> uh, uh, no, that's not what he was thinking. What he was thinking was, uh, the man was dressed in a frock coat and top hat. Yeah, and you're too far south for the Shoreditch twat look to really have followed. <laughs> well, I don't know, because it's near the Old Vic Tunnels. A woman on the bus was wearing a servant's outfit with a white apron. Hipsters have not brought back white aprons as outerwear yet. And there was a price list on the bus denominated in shillings and pence. Sorry, ghost bus? I, I don't think so, Helen. What happened is, you see, oh. it was a novelty Victorian gothic horror bus tour taking off for an evening's entertainment for the punters on board. So, Helen, answer me this. How can this be legal? <laughs> if I'd yelled fire in a theatre, I'd get kicked out. If I wandered down the mall waving a sword, I'd get tasered. Yet somehow, actors are perfectly at liberty to scare the living bejesus out of innocent commuters, and that's just hunky-dory. Isn't there a law against this? Well, I can't help but blame you a bit, Cameron, because he was clearly wearing a top hat and frock coat. He seems pretty credulous, doesn't he? Immersive theatre now, though, seems to be such a commonplace thing that if I saw something like this, I wouldn't even flinch or just assume... Oh, some immersive theatre. I'd better look disinterested because I do not want to be immersed. Yeah, a lot of people don't realise, but actually the London riots last year were just a giant example of immersive theatre. Yeah, and it was very successful because it got a television transfer. (laughs) That's right. Well, of course it's not illegal, though, because in order to do this and in order to have a busload of people that presumably had paid for this entertainment, they would have to have a licence and all of the busload of people would have known what they were in for and like I said, the man was clearly marked as somebody who was not really in the same context as you, Cameron, of being an ordinary fellow waiting for a bus or train. Yes. This is terrifying though. I walked past that very same part of London the other day and there was an actual dungeon underneath the station. It's London's best scare experience 2008 to 2011. Oh, who got it this year? According to their website. This is what I was wondering. (laughs) I I presume the scare awards haven't happened in 2012 yet. It seems more of an autumnal thing, doesn't it? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, Halloween, I guess. However, I have heard of a slightly more scary Victorian appearing person leaping onto a bus experience when I was on jury service and it wasn't because there is a law against that thing happening it was that one of my fellow jurors claimed to be a psychic and he kept quiet about this for a week and a half of us jurying and then we were just waiting to go and deliver our verdict on the rather serious case we oh, were okay. deliberating oh, on. That's okay. You had come to your verdict without him saying that he'd reached his conclusion through psychic means. <laughs> okay. He would come to our verdict, and then he suddenly started talking about the shinning that he had. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, he used to be a bus driver. And he said that he had this uh, really hard day when uh, there was this Victorian woman running down the road to get on the bus. 
And uh, then he mentioned it to all of uh, his bus driving buddies, and they were like, there wasn't a Victorian woman, you bloody lunatic. Well, I don't know, you know what they say, wait 120 years for a bus, then five come <laughs> along at once. <laughs> but then she would have had a farthing, and that wouldn't have been enough to pay you a single cash fare now. No, it's but... £1.35, I think. That's right, yeah, but if, if they'd have asked for her oyster, she might have actually had one in her pocket as a snack. Yeah, mm, good point. Yeah. Or she might have raised her skirts and slapped <laughs> one foot up on the dashboard. <laughs> Hi. I'm Samantha, and this Sunday you can read all about my steamy affair with Find out all the saucy secrets that lawyers tried to stop you from hearing, like how loved to see me dressed up in his football shirt and loved it even more when I took it off. I revealed his favourite games and the wild night where he covered me in and ate my lacy green off. And then he f***ed all over my tits. Answer Me This Sports Day. One hour of sporty spice out now at answermethispodcast.com slash albums. A question of shopping now from Simon from Hull, who says, Helen, answer me this. What the fuck is M&S swapping all about? It's a good question, Simon. They have a baffling new advertising campaign featuring this neologism. That's not a nice thing to call Joanna Lumley. It's you, it? It's Lumley wearing a t-shirt saying things like... I got this from a bin in (laughs) M&S. Well, what they're doing is they want you to bring in your old clothes to M&S and then they will give your old clothes to Oxfam, who will then... Because that's so much easier than just going to Oxfam and giving them to Oxfam. Well, if you're going to M&S anyway, so M&S will pass on your old clothes to Oxfam, who will then either resell them or donate them or recycle them. So there's zero landfill because this is all part of M&S's Plan A scheme, which mm. is their commitment to being the most sustainable major retailer. Which is which is good. Obviously, it's good that they have those kinds of policies in place, but they do seem to spend quite a lot of money telling us about them, don't they? I mean, this is really about yeah. people feeling good about them as a brand. I wonder how many people actually are going to be bringing their clothes to M&S rather than Oxfam when they're just going to Oxfam. I'd do anything Lumley tells me. Yeah, actually, I kind of do as well. Do you think they got her into this because she's known as a clothes recycler because of making that shoe out of her bra on that programme? I wouldn't be surprised because bras apparently are very much needed in the third world. Yes, so I've heard. But this is an interesting thing off the swapping site. So they're saying, help Oxfam by donating the clothes that are needed most. Mm -hmm. Now, do you know what clothes the website says are needed most? Not, Not bras. It is not bras. Oh, I don't it's know. It's not then. jumpers for the elderly. It's not coats for the homeless. What do you reckon it is? Corduroys. Clutch bags. No. Oh, what? No one needs clutch bags. <laughs> What's a clutch bag? Small handbag that has no strap. It's a, for what? evening. Look, look, I, I, I'm with you from the point of view that when the world needs clutch bags more than any other accessory, we've got to the point where international aid is no longer required. We need your clutch bags for flood defences. This is the thing, though. I mean, cash giveaways and encouraging you basically to only donate stuff when you're going in there to buy something else. Yeah. It's kind of encouraging consumerism, isn't it? And Absolutely. they say, no, it's not. It's admitting the fact, it's facing the reality that we live in a consumerist culture where there's a fast turnaround in fashion, so at least we're encouraging the idea that you sacrifice an old piece of clothing when you buy a new one. That's just encouraging a higher turnaround of clothing, yeah, It's surely. like carbon credits, really. It's a bit of a sticking plaster on a situation that needs to be addressed. But maybe M&S are thinking... We've not had such a good quarter, mm. but you know what? It's sustainable. Recycling bins, they're everywhere. <laughs> it's the next big thing. Hi, it's Sarah from Newcastle. I've recently um, was meant to go on a, on a night out with my workmates. Um, they were all excited about it and, oh, they can't wait to have a big girly chat. But I didn't really want to do it because it was my day off and I want to spend time with my husband. 
So, Helen and Ollie, answer me this. Why are they being so fucking clicky now and then they won't speak to me at work and keep talking about how amazing this day, this night out was? I mean, why do girls have to be like that? Could we not just be really chill and say, oh, we had a good time, how was your weekend? Oh, sigh. Is there any possibility, Sarah, that these women are not being intentionally bitchy at all? Well, they're but, not but gen- talking to her. Yeah, but maybe they genuinely had a great night out with each other. Very it seems bonding. to Sarah that they're being clicky. Yeah, whereas actually, they're just still so high on the incredible night that you missed out on that they want to share it with each other at all times. They're not trying to exclude you. You just can't include you in that because you weren't there. What could have been so incredible that night? Were they all converted to an amazing new religion? Were they all alien abducted and they've only got each other to share that experience with what could happen apart from them just going out and getting pissed which is a fairly easy experience to empathize with yeah fairly easy but actually in a work scenario if you've only known your colleagues as colleagues sometimes going out for Uh... work bonding can be enormous fun even if the ingredients are basically going to the slug and lettuce maybe your colleagues are just dullards sarah that have nothing else of interest to talk about maybe you need to introduce some kind of cultural circle where each week you have an allotted topic to hold forth about interestingly i'm sure that would make you very popular like a kind of book club how come it's only women in this anyway do they not invite the men at this workplace or is it a female only workplace maybe she works at ann summers or something There've got to be men who work at Ann Summers. What do people who work at Ann Summers do for a crazy riotous party? They go to church. <laughs> exactly. Helen Ollie, answer me this. Don't ridicule me and don't take the piss. Give me a clue to what I'm asking. Then in your awesome knowledge I'll be basking. What's in sound bad? I'm so alone. No one to email and no one to phone. Where can I get new friends from? Answer me this We've got a question now uh, from Amy from York, who says, Helen, answer me this. Did Captain Hook always have the surname Hook? Or did he change it after he had his hand cut off? Didn't have his hand cut off, a crocodile ate it. That's true. Hence much of the plot. She makes a good point, though, doesn't she? It's a convenient name, rather like I am Ollie Man and I am a man. It's convenient. Doesn't it's like... work for your mum, though, does it? It doesn't, no. She's definitely not a man. Indeed. I was wondering if maybe he changed his name like Carolina Hearn did because he married Peter Hook from New Order. <laughs> Well, J.M. Barry in the original novel uh, does say that uh, to reveal who he really was would even at this date set the country in a blaze. So too scandalous to reveal his real identity. But anyway, wasn't it tradition for pirates to give themselves silly names? Like without Blackbeard's birth name was Blackbeard, (laughs) given that the minority of babies are born with beard. You very rarely, though, get baddies that are given a nickname that has absolutely no uh, connection to their physical appearance though generally speaking like you know the penguin in batman is so called because he does look a bit like a penguin doesn't sit on an egg for six months whilst the uh, female penguins are off doing something else batman doesn't really have the characteristics of a bat he's not very quiet he doesn't squeak he doesn't piss on his own wings he doesn't sleep all day when does he <laughs> you sleep? don't know that that would be a great little deleted scene wouldn't it from the trilogy <laughs> batman pissing on his own wings. sorry alfred it's just part of my character <laughs> here's a question inspired by another terrifying man from culture gordon ramsay <laughs> uh, it's from steffi in bristol who says i'm watching ramsay's kitchen nightmares ollie Whoa, what is it 2007 it's repeated quite a lot mm. it's ramsay's kitchen nightmares it's set in ancient egypt <laughs> And the nightmare was a scarab beetle crawling into the food. Uh, Answer me this, Ollie. 
What the hell is an executive chef? I used to assume that an executive chef would be much like an executive producer. Uh, I.e. their name is all over the product, they get to take Mm -hmm. all of the credit for it, but actually they're not really very hands-on. Is it the kind of thing where they plan the menus, plan the restaurant design, but they very rarely actually go and cook things? Well, exactly, that's what I thought it was. Is it not? Well, obviously it can mean that uh, in certain organisations of kitchens, but as far as I can tell... doesn't really cook now, he goes around on television shouting. Well, exactly, and I suspect in his case it does mean that. But actually the term executive chef does seem around the world to be pretty interchangeable with head chef. It basically just means top chef, but still a chef that... Yeah, okay, they are slightly less hands-on in that they're not going to be chopping cucumbers, but then the head chef wouldn't be doing that anyway. No, they'd be managing the uh, timings of everything. Exactly. Yeah, but the executive chef still does things like order the ingredients and hire all the staff and Mm. plan the rotors and apparently is there. It's like so many professions where after you achieve a certain level of excellence, you have to become a manager. Yeah. Gordon Ramsay's coming back to the telly later this year. He's not been away, has he? No, but he's doing his first cookery show for a long time. After the success of Jamie's 30-minute meals, they're doing, essentially, Gordon's 30-minute meals. They're calling it something else. Oh, what's that? Get a van load of boil in the bag chicken cordon bleu. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. There was that scandal, wasn't there? That's why I referred to it, you see. No accident. It'll be interesting to see because that's going to go out tea time. I just wonder whether they're going to change his language. Because obviously, like, the appeal of him is that he swears the whole time, right? When you're talking directly to the viewers at home, straight down the barrel of the camera and you're like now put this in the mic you can't now now put this in the fucking microwave you twat chop your onion you cunt but I reckon (laughs) actually if they did an app like that where Gordon abuses you as you go around the kitchen I reckon that would probably sell quite well like the Jeremy Clarkson Tom Tom app I don't know it's a bit past it though isn't it what could what new things could Gordon Ramsay do well, this is it. Maybe he's trying to reinvent himself as actually quite nice because that's all that's left. Yeah, but it feels like his next move ought to be away from cooking entirely. He'll do some road trip with some unlikely yes, odd couple yes, bedfellow. Yes, I can see that. Like Oz and What's-It's wine adventure or whatever. That clearly made a great impression, didn't it? If you can remember. <laughs> well, What's-It? I really liked it when he fell in the river. James what a May, that's who it was. They should do it with uh, Marco Pierre White. It'd be hilarious. No, but you see, it's never two chefs. But they hate each other. It'd be brilliant. Yeah, but they'd get him. It'll be like him and Slash. It'd be great. No, I would watch that. Him and Slash go on a tour of brothels of Europe. How many social networks are you on? Vivo, Friendster, PathUPorn, MySpace, Ping and Google Buzz. If you want to be our pal, go to this URL. Facebook.com slash answer me this Or Twitter.com slash Helen and Dolly But please don't follow us in real life Here's a question from 26-year-old Lana from Brighton. She says, I've been with my boyfriend for nearly 10 years. I have put off giving him a blowjob for as long as possible. Wow. 10 years. Because he's never pestered about it. 10 years, he's forgotten how to pester. (laughs) So I've got away with it. Uh, Jeez. However, one day, I decided to bite the bullet. Don't bite it. That's that's not how it's done. Shawshank Redemption. And look up tips for giving a really awesome (laughs) blowjob to spice things up in the bedroom. Look, I can give you all the tips you need. Put it in your mouth. That's it. (laughs) Don't bite. Yeah, don't bite. Maybe play with the balls. I mean, that's optional. You can ask him if he's into that. I don't get into a ball work. That's that's intermediate level stuff. Yeah. (laughs) You wait to 20th anniversary for that. He's going to go pretty quickly anyway out of excitement. Mm. Happy 10th anniversary, dear. (laughs) When browsing for tips and tricks, my beloved MacBook died. 
while the chrome window was still open. What? <laughs> this is what happens when you consider giving blowjobs nearly ten years into a relationship. <laughs> it's your MacBook saying, "No, wait. The day. <laughs> wait until all your teeth have fallen out." Lana continues. Now I'm worried that I have to go visit a genius at the Apple Store who will work some magic in the middle of the shop and get my computer going with me standing there, and the Google Chrome window with the blowjob tips is going to be the first thing that they see that can happen actually and no surely not surely if a computer conks out when they open it up they're going to have to boot it up from scratch so unless you've got chrome automatically opening on startup you'd probably be okay basically if you can find a way to get into a hard drive and delete chrome that will guarantee that it won't start up when the computer starts up listen martin She's in a 10-year relationship where she's only just started to think about blowjobs. I'm not sure she would think even about this improper access to her hard drive. Uh, Lana's question is this. Ollie, answer me this. Should I send my unknowing boyfriend to the Mac store with my computer to get it looked at and, uh, and make him face the music? Maybe he won't be angry because he'll be so excited at the prospect of some fellatio that he'll forgive anything. I think that's right. Or should I go there myself and blast my way through the experience, blaming other people and making pathetic excuses about other people using my computer? <laughs> Any other dears would be much appreciated. Send him. I think the plan of sending your boyfriend in is very cunning, though, because I think if the genius is another man, oh, then it'll just yeah. be. Then you'll just be like oh yeah to show my girlfriend he'll be able to get away with that and I think the majority mm. of Apple geniuses are men they are and don't I, stereotype, but they probably are and I'm fairly computer competent and I feel really scathed when I'm in there actually for me the embarrassing genius bar experience was this I took in uh, my laptop this wasn't the thing that was wrong with it but when I took it out of the bag it really stank of booze and it was covered <laughs> in orange slime and <laughs> I realised then that six weeks before I'd left a kiwi fruit in my laptop bag. (laughs) (laughs) Did you use your laptop bag after that, or does it always smell of kiwi from then on? Because that's the thing. Like I, I got this posh kind of man bag a few Mm. weeks. You've seen it, the bright orange one. Oh, that's nice. I think it's nice. Thank you. I'm glad you said that. I don't think you should wear it with your bright orange shorts though, because that's too much bright orange in the midriff area. Actually, (laughs) I take that point, and thank you for mentioning it when I'm not wearing them, because that would have made me feel low. I like the shorts. I like the bag. I like them better separately than together. Diminishing returns. Too much orange. Yeah, fair fair enough. It's a bit TVAM, isn't it? (laughs) Anyway, when I've got the when I've got the orange bag. Um, I, I, the reason I got that was I, I can carry my sports kit. No one will know that I'm going swimming afterwards. I can take it into a studio. They I'm won't ama- know what it is. I'm amazed to discover that you're carrying sports kit. Yeah. And also they will know what it is because it will stink of chlorine. Well, exactly. This is what happened. I used it once, put my wet swimming trunks in it, and now it stinks of chlorine. It's ruined my man bag. Oh, and that was an expensive man I bag. I know. Just don't want to take it anywhere apart from to the swimming pool now. Try leaving it out in the sun because that often makes uh, strong smells dissipate. Yeah. The inside of my handbag is uh, rather stained uh, from when I stole a rather molten chocolate chip cookie from a hotel buffet in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> in a way, they're sentimental, the same, aren't they? Because yeah. you're like, oh, I remember that one. Oh, I wish I'd stolen more cookies in my life. <laughs> yeah. I'd paid for them effectively. I was just full. I've got the thing about the sentimental stain should be the name of Johnny Cash album. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, we are glad in a kind of nosy and slightly nauseated way that you feel so close to us that you can share with us these extremely intimate details of your life. Because frankly, I think this probably should have been kept between her, her boyfriend, and the Apple Store. Yeah. I don't know why she's chosen to broadcast it to everybody. But anyway, if you are as indiscreet as Lana, then please, please send us a question yes. uh, via all of our contact details, which are present on our website, answermethispodcast.com. And you can find links to our other stuff as well, like our Jubilee album and our first 120 episodes, which are available to buy. And thanks to the gentleman who left over three minutes of calls on our phone line saying that the first episode of Answer Me This was as good as this one. Yeah, you're uh, wrong, but we appreciate 
appreciated it. Yeah. Was that, did he mean that in a nice way or was it yeah. being real bastard? Well, actually, it's kind of a tribute to you, Martin, because he did right. then go on to say that the content was a bit patchy, but that right from the beginning, the sound sounded good. That's yeah. a man who knows his microphones. Uh, so thanks very much for that. And if any of you are uh, curious to hear how our sound quality was five and a half years ago, <laughs> they say it's the same, but maybe I can hear something different. You can download those episodes. Yeah, although it's, it is very flattering that people kind of like Dylan fans are like, yeah, I want to check out the early stuff. But actually, you know, start around episode 40, basically. There's a lot to choose from. Yeah. And then, you know, if you really like it, go back. If you've got the habit. But actually, if people were thinking about checking out Bob Dylan, I would suggest go for the early stuff. Oh, really? Then, um, the freewheeling. Yeah, then maybe mid to late 60s uh, tail off a bit. Right, okay. Yeah. Well. We're very different to Dylan. We are. We are in many, many ways. <laughs> we'll still be doing this in 50 years' time, but you won't be able to understand a single word we say, because it will all sound like... <laughs> we'll see you next week. Bye! Bye. <laughs> 